delayed, but it's not denied. Another new episode of the Three in One Podcast. Woo! Coming to you from the land. Give it up for Ian Lamont Morgan. Clap your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, I would apologize. I did not refer to him correctly. International Ian Lamont. I, I was literally getting ready to that. say it. <laughs> Please yeah. put, put some respect on my mileage. <laughs> oh my Joining goodness. us. Joining us from the Nasty Natty, Cincinnati, Ohio. Give it up for Keith Turner Jr. Hey, what is going on, everybody? What's up? Your A's have been a lot more joyful the last couple of days. Hey, man, you know. Ever, just... ever since the NFL draft, it was sad around NFL draft time. It was some sad A's. A lot more A's, <laughs> a lot more A's than Y, isn't it? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> And of course, the capital city. It's your boy, Malcolm Morgan. Um, Malcolm Morgan, are you gonna have a junior? Huh? I said Malcolm Morgan. Are we talking? Are you you gonna have a junior? Malcolm Morgan Jr. Are we talking? Are we talking about that right now? Oh, absolutely. It it was just it just popped in my mind. So you know, sometimes I just you know go with it. That's a great way to kick off. <laughs> that is a that is an awesome way to start off the podcast. Um, I'm not the one on Baby Watch, but <laughs> oh, that touche, my friend, touche. That was nice. Ian is Ian will be with child number two soon. So <gasps> any minute now. Ian, what um, shall be the name? Andy. Name is um, I was thinking Billy Manziel, but apparently that was already uh, <laughs> that was in use. <laughs> that, that, that oh, he was a crazy person, but it's great. <laughs> no, nah, baby's name is Levi. 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 Man, all right, yes, sir. all right. So yeah, so this has been a, a delayed episode in the making, but we uh, had to do some pauses and some restarts and then some more pauses. But we got it to you guys, fresh content. We're not gonna let a week go by without you guys hearing from us. So we've got a lot to talk about. We're gonna start off with the NBA playoffs. Um, Western Conference Finals, let's start in the West. The Houston Rockets tied up um, their series against the Golden State Warriors. Um, what are you guys seeing in this series? Do you think Houston has found a little bit of a, um, a a few things that they can do to win this series? What are you guys thinking? No. No, I don't. And honestly, <laughs> I, was not, I was not that impressed with the game to win. Here's why. Uh, Houston, in order for them to be successful, they have to win ISO ball. And I just don't think that ISO ball um, will get the job done against a well-oiled machine in Golden State. Now, granted, if Golden State shoots as bad as they did and the Splash Brothers only have 20 points together, then Houston stands a chance. I will say um, that I did like the ball movement. I did like uh, the way P.J. Tucker played. But I don't think P.J. Tucker has that for another, you know, solid four or five games, Um, uh, especially not at the Oracle. So um, now if if they do this again and uh, they still won in Golden State, then maybe we can have another conversation. But I honestly see Golden State winning both at home and take going up three one because that team basketball is uh, just ridiculous. Um, but I, I did love what I saw. And let me just say this. Um, I'm hoping that I am wrong because I would love for the Rockets to beat the Warriors. I just want to put that out there. I want the Warriors to lose by any means necessary. 
Um, By any means. Any means. I don't care how it happens. I just want the Warriors to lose. Um, uh, so, you know, if Kevin Durant tweaks an ankle or something like that, I ain't wishing it upon him, but I'm just saying if that's what it takes, I'm not going to be mad. Speaking <laughs> it, just speaking it into the atmosphere. That's all that's I'm all. saying. <laughs> uh, no, but, um, but, but, uh, but also I, I did notice that Golden State did not have their um, crazy third quarter either uh, this past game that Houston uh, gave them work. So uh, that's key. If, if Golden State – does not have a big third quarter, you know, that's uh, that, I don't know, Houston definitely stands a chance, but thus they, far, they I'm actually s- technically, they technically did have their big third quarter. They just lost all three quarters. They lost that quarter by the least amount. So technically they did have their big third quarter. I mean, well, I mean, they, they didn't because they, <laughs> they, they, they scored 29 points and Houston put up 31. So they didn't have their big quarter. Yeah. Well, that's, that was their best quarter. That was the smallest margin. It was a, they it, scored twenty. Well, I guess that's true. I mean, they but they had twenty nine points in both the second and the third of that game. So yeah, yeah. So so yeah, I, not yet, not yet. I got to see a couple more games, but uh, we'll see. But ISO ball, I just don't think it's going to get the, get the job done. I gotta uh, I gotta agree with Keith about um, about them not having that big quarter. Um, not even from an offensive perspective, but they did not have that surge of stops that normally causes the, the super lopsided nature of those third quarters that demoralizes people coming out of halftime. And so mm-hmm. um, I think what I, I – I watched that game and I was just like, Houston is good. And I said it with no real conviction because, you know, we knew Houston's been good all year. Yep. Uh, they were the number one team in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, what I believe more is the feeling I had when game one when it was like – Golden State is unstoppable. Mm-hmm. They're they're the monsters, um, and I, I mean, I don't know. I, I I hate to really admit it out loud, but I don't. I don't. I I have not felt any real suspense about who was going to win the finals again. Um, nope. Frankly, once the Cavs went through the flux that they went through and had a, a roster of talented veterans that could not mesh. And I know that we went to Cavs 2.0 this year and everything like that. But, you know, I, I have not had confidence that they could win the title all, ever since they made those moves. So that kind of is what it is. But back to the, the series, um, the ISO, I don't so much mind. I, I, I think that's that's how Golden State does. That's I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, that's how Houston does. They're going to do it. Um, I just think, you know, there's no answer for Kevin Durant at all. Nope. At all. It's it's and it's almost depressing seeing go seeing uh, Houston try. I mean, and they they're I mean, give at least credit to Mike D'Antoni for you know for throwing different bodies at him. But I mean, he is just Sparta kicking all of them down uh, that 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 lowly well. Um, so I I don't know what you do to stop KD and Steph is not gonna shoot as bad as he has thus far. And when that happens, um, I I. I hate to say it, but we're going to reach the same conclusion that we do uh, when Golden State clicks on all cylinders, which is uh, Houston doesn't really have a chance. Mm. It's real interesting. All the commentary about the Golden State Warriors ends with if they do X, Y, and Z. If Steph Curry hits shots. If they can't stop Kevin Durant. 
if their bench starts to play well. And none of that happened this last game. Andre Iguodala, five points. Draymond Green, six points. Klay Thompson, eight points. Yeah, but how often, next leading, how often does that happen? Malcolm? Next leading scorer, <sighs> Quinn Cook with seven points. Um, that's a problem. Um, the death lineup was not very deathly. Um, Steph Curry has made two threes on, I believe, 13 or 15 attempts in the first two games. And the, the Rockets have been targeting him big time. Um, on those switches. That's been great. Um, so, and you know, people have been saying he's not healthy, which is probably, he's probably, he definitely doesn't have his legs underneath him. Um, he's definitely not in tip top Steph shirts, Curry shape. Um, and Kevin Durant has been dominant, but we all knew that he was going to be, there's, there's no one that could stop him. Nope. But here's why I believe the Warriors need to be afraid because the Rockets won with James Harding shooting 9 of 24 from the field, 3 of 15 from 3, with Chris Paul going 6 of 14, 1 of 5 from 3. Um, that's worrying to me if I'm the Warriors, that they were able to have that bad of a shooting night and still beat you. Um, and I think we, we keep waiting for Golden State to hit the switch, but maybe they're not going to hit the switch. Maybe they, maybe for whatever reason, they just aren't hitting the switch this year. Um, Trevor Reza played amazing. PJ Tucker played out of his mind. Um, Eric Gordon had an Eric Gordon game that he can have. Um, Clint Capella was making an impact. So you have to be a little concerned about the Warriors. Now, I do want to point out that I am the only person amongst these podcasters, these wonderful, illustrious podcasters that I get to share the show with, that picked it. That picked the Rockets to win, and and that is for a good reason. You will just see. <laughs> oh, you will see. Oh yes, we will. Oh yes, we will. Um, now listen, I'm listen, Malcolm. I really, I, again, I hope you're right. I I am. I hope you're right, but I just don't see it. I don't see. It. They have it. Gold State to me, even in the game that they won, still didn't really show show that that killer instinct that that flip hasn't switched yet hasn't switched yet and i think as we've seen in the nba if you wait too long to flip the switch you're not gonna be able to flip it i agree um, i agree i'm <clears throat> i will say to malcolm's credit you know for his points i did not believe that i would see a houston win in a game where clint capella only had five points Mm-hmm. I think I said in my in my comments before we went into the series that if they got to feed him and he was eating down low, that's when I would see, you know, some problems. But, yeah, for him to only have that, I knew that Eric Gordon would have to go off for them to, for them to get a W. I didn't foresee Trevor Reza with 19 and P.J. Tucker with 22. But I think there's a reason for that because it's, it's not normal and it's probably not going to happen again. Um, at the, and at the same, what I think balances that out is that Chris Paul and James Harden aren't gonna shoot as badly as they did in Game Two either. It, 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 it absolutely. Um, now I will tell you what, if Houston suddenly, and I don't want to say this like they didn't get you know people involved all year, but if they suddenly start experiencing that volume where you see that spread out to its normal, you know, its normal. Um, um, you know, James Harden with 30, 35, Chris Paul with 20, 25. But if you start seeing P.J. Tucker's Trevor Ariza's with 15, 
and you still see Clint Capella with his 15, and you still see Eric Gordon come off the bench with, then you have a dynamic where they're getting that type of balance regularly. That is scary. Um, you know, that, that is that is a frightening uh, uh, proposition. Uh, but I think, I, I, frankly, I think the other the other coin on this uh, to, to flip is that Steve Kerr is actually a coach to make adjustments um, defensively as well. And so um, I don't see him allowing for those others to get off, um, um, you know, as freely. And I think, you know, he'll probably key in on that a little bit more. So we'll see. <laughs> We'll see. It's a lot, a lot of basketball to be played. They'll be back on Sunday night, uh, but on Saturday the Eastern Conference playoffs come back. Um, Cavs are going home down. Are going are coming home down two zero to the Celtics. Um, <sighs> the, they squandered a LeBron triple double um, and, and kind of salted away a lead uh, there at the end. So, guys, what do the Cavs need to do to get back into the series? How are you guys feeling? Are you guys feeling confident that they can do it? <sighs> Malcolm, uh, you're, you're the man in the land. I'm going to let you start. I'm assuming you meant Ian. I mean, Ian. I'm My, my bad, bro. Ian. Ian, yes. The man <laughs> in the land. Ian. Oh, well, thank, thank, thank you, Keith. Uh, I just... Uh, <laughs> I will say um, I was disappointed to see the game two effort mm-hmm. um, to see how that turned out. Uh, but I picked the Cavs in six. Um, I still don't feel it. You know, I was somebody was asking me like, you honestly still think that the Cavs could beat this team four game four games in a row? Uh, my answer is very much yes. It's not too different from what I just said about Houston. Um, if the Cavs find a way to uh, distribute that scoring um, equally and get the uh, – I, I tell you what, I would not depend on Rodney Hood to save my life at this point. I would not depend on Rodney Hood to – I think you're – are you talking about restricted free agent Rodney Hood? <laughs> I, am, I am talking about RFA, Rodney Hood. <laughs> um, but – it, it will take it will take for him to get integrated um, into the offense. It's going to take double figures from from six seven guys uh, to beat this Boston squad. Because um, LeBron LeBron being Hercules is, is not it's not enough alone. Uh, not with this team. Bat- not not against not against this squad. The squad is too young. They're too fresh. They're too quick. They're they're too athletic. Um, um, to try and bombard them with one look, uh, you you gotta mix them up. You gotta keep them scrambling. You gotta you gotta you gotta play uh, uh, 2015 Spurs basketball, 2014 Spurs basketball. Um, so uh, I, I am confident still. Uh, you know, Boston held down home court. Uh, there's a, of course a lot of concerns. Absolutely, mm-hmm. everybody everybody panicked and. A million articles written, and what's you know what's wrong, what's wrong. Um, but I'm looking, I'm looking to see a concentrated defensive effort from the Cavs. Um, you you got to stop Jason Tatum from from dropping twenty a night. You you have to. Uh, you got to you got to find a way to 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 you know dash his spirits a little bit if you can. Well, he only put uh, up eleven the last game, so true. That's good. True, uh, and and it's interesting how you can. 
I don't know how you how you can hold a guy and he still he still seems like he's he's got the upper hand. I think they need they they need to severely disappoint a Terry Rozier or 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 Jalen Brown. They mm-hmm. they need to somebody needs a five point output. Uh, somebody needs that type of defensive effort. Uh, Al Horford cannot eat inside. They got to figure out you know some of those things. But uh, long story short, for all the adjustments that the Cavs need to make. Um, I do believe that they come out of Game Three victorious, so I'm not re- I'm not worried. Although I recognize that Boston is a they are a better team. Uh, we don't have to have this conversation again. They uh-oh. are. Uh oh. I know we, they, we not this They play better team basketball. That's uh, true. But I do believe Cleveland has the talent uh, to to overcome you know the deficit. So two two headed back to Boston. I'll call it a now. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with you um, that I, I definitely can see 2-2. Um, a couple things. First of all, the Cavaliers shot horridly uh, from three-point. I mean, I think the, the first game, um, I, have my, I have the stats here because I was just like, this is awful. Um, yeah, I mean, they were 4 of 26 from three. Um, LeBron was 0 of 5. Kevin Love was 1 of 4. Uh, J.R. Smith was 0 for 3, uh, and then you, you, you shoot over to the game 2, and they are 10 of 31. They hit more, but they still missed so many. Um, so three-point shooting, I mean, if the Cavs aren't, aren't shooting well, they're going to lose, period, because, I mean, that's why you have a Kyle Korver. That's why you have a guy like Kevin Love who can stretch the court. I wish he could, you know, dominate a little bit more in the paint, but ever since he lost all that weight and is not fat Kevin Love anymore – um, he just don't be getting buckets down there as much as he could. Um, so, you know, when you look at the three point, the three point game, you know, it was, it was terrible. Um, secondly, we're not seeing the Tristan Thompson that we've seen, uh, in this Raptor series. Um, but lastly, I think the X factor and this guy has to play well in order for the Cavs to win. That's J.R. Smith. I mean, I think he had no points game two. And I think game one, what was it? He had five points. Am I correct? Uh, four points, excuse me. Um, so J- with a combination of not hitting threes, J.R. Smith playing terrible basketball. Uh, I mean, I think it was J.R. who made a, made a comment about, you know, LeBron having to, you know, play Hercules. And he basically called the team out saying they, they need to step up and, and play their support roles. Um so it was um, game one, I wasn't as worried. Game two was a little bit more alarming, especially after the quarter, the first quarter LeBron had. I'm thinking, okay, you know, um, they're going to, you know, they're going to follow him and they're, you know, they're going to get this game. And uh, the Celtics came out and just bullied them in the second half. Um, so, of course, there are causes for concern. However, I do see um, the Cavs shooting better um, in, in, at home. I think we see a lot more threes drop, um, and uh, you know that's that's it. But at the end of the day, it's going. I'm really going to pay attention to Jr. Smith's stat stat lines the rest of this series, um, because if Jr. gives us a solid 15, 20, um, we're probably looking good. Because LeBron's going to get his, um, even though he struggled game one, uh, he came back with 42 game two. Um, so, um, so yeah, we're, we're going to see. I mean, Kevin Love had a pretty decent showing last game. He had 22 points. 
Um, but after the 42 and 22 from LeBron and Love, I mean, next guy is Kyle Korver with 11. Uh, Tristan has eight. Uh, George Hill has been silent both games. He had three points last game. Um, and it's interesting because when, when they first played Boston, um, when this whole crew came together, uh, it was a mix of, of Jordan Clarkson and some of those guys, and they, they destroyed Boston in Boston. And I was like, oh, snap, okay, I see some, I see some promise. Um, but Clarkson didn't even play last game. Um, and, Thank God he didn't play last game. Well, I mean, hey, I'm at the point where I just, you know, however they're going to get it done, whatever it takes, right? Isn't that the model right now for Cleveland? Whatever it takes. So they need to get a job done. But at the end of the day, J.R. Smith needs to step up and play some better basketball, period. I'm going to uh, bring up something that I'm surprised nobody has brought up, and that is the quote-unquote strained neck that LeBron had um, in the second half. He was playing really well, um, got that strained neck, and um, pulled himself out of the game at that Mm -hmm. point to go to the locker room. Mm -hmm. I have a hot take and a, a sneaky suspicion. Oh, man. I have a sneaky suspicion that what he suffered was not a strained neck and that it was a concussion um, and that he didn't want anyone to know that he had a concussion. Mm. Uh, Brian Windhorst reported that after the game, he didn't see LeBron getting any treatment at all. Um, and LeBron came in, came back in the game and was visibly playing different um, than before, which, you know, I'm not a doctor, not even close to being one, but to me, he his everything was different when he came back. Um, and to me, my my uh, conspiracy theory thinking self makes me think that he may have had a concussion. Um, and I think that was a big turning point in the game because he wasn't as aggressive when he came back. Nope. He wasn't attacking when he came back. He was settling for a lot of threes um, when he came back. And I think all of that contributed to that. But anyway, all that aside... Um, he had a great game. Kevin Love had a great game, and it's the supporting cast has got to step up. Um, I am absolutely a hundred percent excited that Jordan Clarkson did not play because he's been pretty much garbage since maybe March. I don't know. He's been bad for quite some time. Um, one thing I would like to see is them get Rodney Hood back out of the rotation and replace his minutes with uh, Seti Osman. Um, they let Larry Nance get some minutes, and he actually brought some really good energy. Um, on both ends of the court, and I would like to see him get some more some more run mm. as well. Um, and and less Jeff Jeff Green was other than, uh, other than Jr. He was the worst guy on the floor uh, in their last game. Um, five turnovers for a guy coming off the bench is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and that's kind of the problem with Jeff Green. His whole career, he'll give you flashes of okay, this is this guy's talented, and then. He'll show you flashes of this guy deserves a minimum contract, <laughs> and this was this was minimum contract Jeff Green today, or uh, in their last game. So um, I like to see his minutes come down a little bit. I like to see Seti get some more time. He can hit open shots, defend, give you some energy. He can play the three and the four. Um, this is just a this is a rough series for Kevin um, because there's no there's no real advantage for him in the post. Like he has to go up against at this point, in his career, smaller defenders. Um, anybody, when he has to go up against longer defenders, he really struggles, which is why he struggles against Al Horford. Um, even if they're able to get switches in this series, 
Um, Marcus Smart can guard anybody in the post. He's he's that strong. Um, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, those are all guys that are big enough to play in the post with him. So he has to kind of eat off of threes, uh, rebounds, offensive rebounds. When he gets easy looks, easy mid-range jumpers, he's got to take those. And I think he did a good job of that in the last game. But I the, the backcourt to me is the biggest problem. George Hill has got to hit open shots. He's got to be yes. a little bit more aggressive. Okay. J.R. Smith, he can't give you zero. Fine. If we're not getting, you know, 2015-2016 J.R., that's fine. But he can't give us zero. Um, even Trista Thompson gave, gave us eight points. So, J.R., you got to give me eight. Say it give again. Give me eight, J.R. Say it again. Even <laughs> Tristan Thompson. Even Tristan Thompson. <laughs> Hookah bar uh, aficionado at night, basketball <laughs> player <laughs> in the evening. That's it. This Jr. If you need to get back on the handy, do your thing. You know, we need you hit jumpers. We need you step back in, shooting in people's faces, not undercutting Al Horford in the fourth quarter. Jr. Seriously. Um, yeah, it's, it's just so, gonna be professional pride, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got to be professional pride. Did you see that thing about the Boston station that uh, had the segment about the most useless calves? No, I did I, not. I hope I hope the list started with J.R. Smith and and was seconded by Rodney Hood. It's, I mean, when, when yeah, when they start giving you bullet, bulletin board material, you you got to do something. You got to do something yeah. to respond, especially if you are restricted free agent. Rodney Hood. Look, if you're waiting for Rodney Hood to respond, he's just gonna be. I, I don't feel like going to game coach. I just don't. Put put, put Calderon in. Put Jose and, uh, in. Be, be, because he's warmed up. Put Jose in. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty confident that they're gonna win the next game. Um, and then after that, it's just gonna be about them staying focused and taking Boston's be- best shot in Game Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as we've seen this this postseason, Boston is terrible on the road. I think they're like. They've won one road game the whole playoffs. Um, so they're a completely different team on the road. I, I'm firmly believing that the Cavs are going to go back to Boston. Um, tied up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they get blown up in the next two games because they just, they're so inconsistent. You can't, you, and I, I kind of feel for, for Ty Lue because the same things that were working beautifully against Toronto are not working now. Um, and so he he can't know what to do or who to put put in the game because it's just from from game to game from series to series it's a completely different situation. So, um, but I still feel good about the Cavs. I think they could still get it together, um, but we'll see. The other big NBA news: the NBA draft lottery. Yeah. Um, th- this is one of my favorite times of year. Draft time. I love I love seeing what teams do. This is when trades start happening. Um, so we'll go through the top five, um, picks Phoenix at one Sacramento at two Atlanta at three Memphis at four Houston at five. And for programming note, the Cleveland Cavaliers will have the eighth pick in this year's draft. So let's look at those first three teams. Where do you see, um, those, how do you see those first three picks, um, playing out? I mean, tough to say. I mean, you know, you, you look at those guys who were being mentioned at the top. You got Aiden, uh, DeAndre Aiden. You got Luka Doncic. Doncic. Um, I mean, some say Marvin Bagley. Some got Jaron Jackson there. Um, so I, I really don't 
it's, it's interesting. I don't see a clear cut front runner. So this is interesting. I mean, we kind of had this this kind of situation um, in the NFL draft. A little bit different because those were quarterbacks and everything like that. But mm-hmm. um, I personally like Luca. Now I know he's a guard, um, and I don't know if Phoenix is factoring that in. But the last thing they probably need to do is draft another guard. Oh, they uh, absolutely need a point guard. Uh well, they I don't, absolutely need a point guard. Well, I mean, well, Luca's Luca's more of a he's a two. You know, he, I mean, he's he's a bigger he's a bigger guard, probably playing the three, right? Oh no, he's a, he's a point. He's a combo, I, but he's been playing point in Europe. Yeah, I think he's gonna play point in the NBA. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know, and just from what I had seen from him, I, I had him more pegged as a uh, as a shooting guard. But um, yeah, I, I personally would like to see them, you know, pick a big. I, I feel like they've I, I know they've done it I, at this point. I, I, it's hard for me to reconcile that he, that Phoenix is relevant in the NBA. Because I feel like they just pick people and then they just continue to be awful um, with no <laughs> resolve, it's, it, you know. But I know Philly had a somewhat similar model, but at least there were injuries to pick for that. Phoenix has their guys and they're still awful, so I I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, you, I, you don't I, trust the you don't trust the Phoenix process. You know what? I don't know. If Phoenix has a process. I think that, <laughs> <laughs> I think that this is the Phoenix wing it. And I, I don't, I don't know how how much I love it. Uh, Sacramento is intriguing because I don't feel like they're that far. Um, I do feel they like are, they, they they are that far. I I just I, I don't think they are. I think um, you know some of the young talent that they got um, um, and that they they've kind of they've assembled. And I think you add in the right splash and you got something. So I, I'm kind of hoping Aiden goes there. Um, I don't want to see him get wasted away in Phoenix, and so um, I'm, I'm intrigued in general. Um, I want to learn more about these guys. Um, I'm looking forward to combine and looking forward to you know to seeing what these guys really uh, really have to offer um, before the draft comes. But yeah, it's it's a uh, it's gonna be interesting. I mean, I'll, I'll save my Cavs talk because you asked about <laughs> the top three. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what translates from where. A lot of people don't have, don't trust in Duke, so you know Bagley's getting, getting the short end of the stick. But you know, um, I don't know. I, 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 I like his, I like his game from what I saw, which was kind of limited tournament stuff. Yeah, I think I think Phoenix is going to get Doncic. I think they should get Doncic and Ooh. try to pair him with uh, Devin Booker. Um, they got the coach. They got uh, Igor. Can't pronounce his last name. Um, coached the Slovenia national team, um, or has been coaching the Slovenia national team that Doncic plays on with Goran Dragic. And uh, I mean, I, I want to say, did they win EuroBasket last year? I can't, I can't remember. I'm trying to remember, but him and him and Dragic just destroyed um, EuroBasket. I believe they it did was win. It. Yeah, they. I mean, and that's a tough tournament. You got Spain, Serbia. Um, uh, Russia, Georgia, I mean, so many good teams out there. And Slovenia came out of nowhere, but it was mostly because Luka Doncic and Goran Dragic just went crazy. Um, and and he's also been playing extremely well in a very tough division in, um, in Europe. And he is still only 19 years old. Um, and for him to be playing like he's playing, I would love to see Phoenix with him 
and uh, Devin Booker in the backcourt and just roll out the ball and let them play. Like this year in for Real Madrid in the EuroLeague, he's averaging 16, uh, about 17 points a game, four and a half assists, four and a half rebounds, 81% from the line. Um, he... I mean, and that's a 19-year-old. That doesn't happen. And even Ricky Rubio's numbers weren't that good um, when he was playing. So um, I, I I think he's going to be a really good um, big point forward guard situation. He'd be a good guy to pair with Booker. He'll be able to find him, get those bigs, easy easy baskets. I could also see them go with Aiton. He's a hometown kid, played at Arizona. He's from Arizona. Um, and he is, he is a central casting NBA center. Um, I mean, seven foot, seven foot one, two sixty, um, agile enough to play on the perimeter. Um, has shown that he can hit, um, uh, have some range on his jumper, um, even after three, and then dominates in the post. Um, uh, if he didn't go there, Sacramento has got a good pick with him too, because their centers have been less than inspiring with Willie Collison, Stein, Scalabissier. Um, I think he'd be a great pickup for them. Atlanta. Um, I've seen them going either with Marvin Bagley from Duke or um, Jaron Jackson from Michigan State. Yep. Um, they're slightly diff- they're different bigs. Jaron Jackson is more of a um, he's he's much more adept defensively. He's shown a little bit of shooting, but um, he's he's had a really good block rate at Michigan State. Can get on the boards, play out on the perimeter, can make your defense really switchy, and has shown a little bit of range. Uh, Marvin Bagley is just a freak of an athlete. He can face up. He can do everything that you want offensively. Defensively is where he's going to struggle a little bit, but his athleticism and upside on the offensive end of the court is just so high. Um, I, I believe it was him last summer playing in the Drew League. He's 18, playing in the Drew League, and just dominated grown men. Um, and if you know anything about the, the Drew League, there's a lot of NBA guys, fringe NBA guys, oh, yeah. um, that, that play in that, in that uh, summer league. Um, and he was playing extremely well. So um, I think he would be another guy that's in that top three mix. And then Memphis would be happy to get either Marvin Bagley or uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. at three. Jaron Jackson, by the way, son of former Spurs guard Jaron Jackson. Um, I don't know if you guys remember him. Number two, um, I believe he won one championship in yep. San Antonio. 2000. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's why, that's, the, uh, that's how I think that top three is going to shake out. What about you, Keith? Um, oh, I, I've gone back and forth with this, but I, I honestly think Phoenix should, should take Aiton. Um, I, I agree with you, Malcolm. I do think having Doncic and, um, and, uh, Devin Booker in the backcourt would be extremely fun to watch. But I mean, you know, outside of, uh, of course a, um, uh, I wouldn't say washed, but a, a seasoned Tyson Chandler. Um, He's washed. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think the good thing with potentially having Tyson Chandler though there though is you know developing Aiton's defensive game as a big man in NBA. Um, that could be that could be very beneficial for them. So I could see it either way. Um, you know, of course they still have Brandon Knight. You know, he's okay. Tyler Ulis, uh, you know. Uh, Brandon Knight's terrible now. He didn't, he barely played last year. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, so I could see why people would say Doncic, but I could also like definitely see, you know, their big men are just garbage to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have Josh Jackson, which I think that's a, a guy who will continue to develop. 
Um, but I don't know. If I'm at that place, I'm definitely thinking Aiton. But, I mean, they I believe their GM um, was quoted today saying he's open to hearing trades for the number one spot. I don't know who. Um, I don't know what for. Who knows? Um, I can tell you, as a Browns fan, who heard that from John Dorsey for weeks, <laughs> <laughs> and they know what state they're in. Right. Yeah, they're they're, they're not trading the number one pick. They're not trading. Yeah, I mean, yeah. right. Unless they were getting something crazy, you know. Um, anyways, especially. Um, what you say? I was gonna say, especially this year. This year is a is a stat draft. Um, with, yeah, I think with either one of these two guys at the top, you'll be fine. But in next year's draft is not very strong at all. They got it. They got a hit on this one. Yeah, for sure. So of course, then Sacramento will probably um, take Aiton if he is on the board after the first pick. And if not, then I'd probably see them taking um, Bagley, even though some mm-hmm. have Jackson going over Bagley. So. Uh, Jaron Jackson from Michigan State, which I've watched him play, and he looks like he's the real deal, honestly. Um, and then whoever Sacramento doesn't grab between Jaron Jackson or Bagley, I'd probably see one of those those two landing in Atlanta. Um, and then Memphis is interesting because, and I'm hoping this isn't the case, but I could see them taking a guy like uh, Michael Porter Jr. from Missouri. Even of course mm, with his with his injuries, um, it could be that could be their guy. Um, some had them taking Muhammad Bamba, which I'm just not a fan of his game. Um, I think he's tall and lengthy, uh, can do a, a lot of good things defensively. I just don't think his offensive game is 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 worthy of, of drafting you know top four. But someone may may see something else. Um, but you know for me. Um, I'm, I'm not going after Bamba. Um, I mean, yeah, let's see, 13 points a game, 10 rebounds, um, on a pretty average at best Texas team. So, um, so yeah, that's how I would see it playing out. If I'm Phoenix, I'm really considering Aiton though. Um, you know, especially with a Tyson Chandler that can really help develop him for sure. Yeah, I I definitely... I don't think things go wrong with either pick. Yeah. Uh, what were you about to say, Ian? I was just—I don't know why—I just saw his name again and I thought about it. Ninety-nine Spurs took that championship. Oh, okay. Okay. So, all right. So let's talk about the obvious elephant in the room: Cleveland Cavaliers at eight. Um, who do you guys like? Who do you guys think they'll—they'll they'll get at that point? Um, I'm gonna throw out the name that's showing up on a lot of draft boards, and that's uh, Michael Porter Jr. Um, before he had his injury, he was a lot of people had him projected going top two in the draft. Um, and if he's as good as people say, he obviously we haven't seen him play since high school, so we don't know what. I'm sorry, Malcolm. What, what who'd you say? I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Michael Michael Porter Jr. Oh, but yeah, Porter Jr. from Zoo. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, he's six ten. Um, I'm not sure what he officially. I'm not sure if he was at the combine or if he officially got measured. But he's six ten. Um, could shoot the lights out. Put yep. the ball on the court. He's he's perfect. He's prototype for this new NBA of um, long wings. You could switch. You could play him at the four. Um, I think it's going to take him a little bit of time. I think one thing he struggles with is his 
uh, ball handling a little bit on the perimeter, but he could straight up shoot. And to me, that makes the most sense. People have talked about Trey Young. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. that could work. I don't know okay. if he's going to fall that far. I don't think he's going to fall past Orlando. Uh, they need a point guard bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard some people talk about Colin Sexton, which yes. I actually am a actually like Colin Sexton more. He actually plays defense. So do I. Bigger and stronger. Um, that would be an interesting pick there as well. Um, but Michael Porter Jr., when you have a wing with his size, his shooting ability, um, if he's healthy and he's right, that could be an interesting young athletic piece to add to the uh, the core that the Cavs have already. But what do you guys think? Who are you guys looking at? I'm definitely I'm definitely in agreement with with Porter Jr. If they can get him at at eight, I think that is a home run. Uh, there were some there were some articles, you know, comparing him to having the type of impact that Jason Tatum is having for the Boston Celtics right now. Um, it, of course. That's all with with him being healthy um, and all. So I, I would love if, if Cleveland could get Porter Jr. If not, I'm more of a fan of Sexton as well. I mean, the guy um, averaged, you know, 19 points a game. Like Malcolm said, plays defense, you know, was tough in the SEC. Um, I like him. Of course, I see the Trey Young because of the offensive creativity. Um Likened to a you know potential Steph Curry or, um, yeah, I think that would be the the comparison right now, um, with what he can do on offense. Now, I mean, of course, I've seen some of his games, um, where he did not just didn't seem to try on defense, um, and was just jacking up like 30, 35 foot you know three pointers, um, but it could make sense because that gives. Potentially, if LeBron stays, um, that gives them another, you know, offensive playmaker. George Hill is not really, you know, the type of playmaker that Young would, you know, would bring. Um, so if he falls, that's if he falls, then, of course, you have to weigh, you know, uh, a him versus a Sexton, which I, I think Sexton would still be there at eight. Um, so those would be my picks. Honestly, I, I, I wish they could get someone like an Aiton, you know, cause Cleveland needs a big man who can just destroy mm-hmm. in the paint so badly. Um, you know, especially with the likes of Al Horford and Valachunas and some of those in the Eastern conference. Um, but Porter jr. Would probably be my pick. It's tough. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's tough because, I mean, if you're going to draft in today's NBA, you either want to draft length and and dynamic and, and you know, somebody who can, um, like Keith was just talking about, have, have an impact that you see a Jason Tatum have, which is a lot. I don't want to uh, – <laughs> I don't want to just throw that out there like, yeah, this guy might have an impact that Jason Tatum had. Jason Tatum's having a phenomenal rookie campaign. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's actually it's, – is semi otherworldly uh, because he's getting better as the season goes on. Um, yeah. he, he got better as the season went on. He's getting even better as the postseason goes on. Um, but um, so you know when you talk about when you talk about the guys um, um, like like Porter, um, yeah, it, it it resonates. You know, you you definitely like what um, what he could bring. Uh, but if you're not going to drive length and, and dynamic and, and explosiveness, uh, you're going to drive shooting. Uh, you're going to drive, you know, um, um, and the type of shooting. 
Uh, and so I, I am going to say Trey Young at eight makes a lot of sense to me mm-hmm. um, because having that Having that offensive, we have to game plan for this guy um, um, would be huge for the Cavs. Um, it opens mm-hmm. the floor up. It does plenty for um, for shifting the defense. You know um, those split second things uh, that open guys up. Does he need a lot of work? Absolutely. Um, he's a far cry from uh, what Steph Curry has become. And of course, we're looking at Steph Curry in his his seventh, eighth, ninth years. Correct. Um, um, but. You know, he has a model of what he should improve on. Um, um, Steph Curry having the range and having the shot uh, didn't didn't do for his team what it could do until um, they learned how to, A, well, to properly space and to go about, um, you know, getting other teammates involved once you've done that. And the th- I think the most dangerous thing about Steph Curry is that um, with all the attention that he draws, he knows what to do when he has you leaning. Um, and, and, and that team has perfected that system. So, yeah, that, that's what we're talking about is system stuff. But to have a piece like that uh, moving into uh, um, years where you'll have, uh, you know, we'll have Jordan Clarkson still here, even though Malcolm loves his game so much. Um, you know, you'll still have uh, uh, Larry Nance. You'll still have, you know, these, these other guys who are still young who would benefit from, you know, from that type of spacing. And so I think, you know, moving forward and you got to think about the LeBron contingency. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the star power, it keeps them a viable uh, name that's relevant in the league. You got to think about it from a business sense as well. Not that any player that they pick that high, they won't be go ahead and make him the, the new face of the franchise. But um, for somebody who's already garnered that type of national attention, it also plays well there. I actually think that he will be there at eight. Um, I think there's enough teams who are convinced that you know his deficiencies don't uh, uh, don't outweigh his uh, his scoring ability. And so I, I, I don't I don't think him falling to eight is unlikely at all. But you know we'll have to see how everybody. I don't see it, bro. I don't see it. Yeah, I don't see. I th- I don't think he gets past Orlando. They need they need a player like him. They need a, a they need a point guard. B they I need agree. somebody. That's going to excite that fan base and fill seats, and I think Trey Young is that exciting guy to that'll do that. And then below them is Chicago, who doesn't really have a subtle point guard situation either. They're still looking for, I, I believe they're still looking for their bedrock piece. Laurie Marketing is good, but I don't think he's at any point can be your number one option. Trey Young is definitely the type of talent that if you hit on, I mean he's got he's got the skills that you want in today's NBA. That's going to stretch defenses out beyond the three point line. He can pass. He can shoot really be a playmaker if he's the kind of guy that if you hit on and he can get close to what Steph Curry is if he's 75 percent uh of what Steph Curry is then you've 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 that's, really hit on that draft pick. yeah yeah so I, mean, I would I think that could be a good pick for them but I I have a hard time seeing him dropping past or two teams in Orlando and Chicago that I think still need point guards well oh. most mock drafts have him going uh really eight to ten really? so so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. What um what other prospects are you guys looking at as interesting in this draft? I was gonna mention Mo Bamba. Um, he they they did the measurements at the combine. He came out with a seven foot ten wingspan. Yep. Um, which is three inches, which is the tallest by three inches. Um, and that I mean he's exceedingly athletic. Um, 
it, it would be interesting to see if some of these teams fall in love with uh, there's a lot of bigs in this draft. Yes. You have Aiden Bagley, Wendell Carter, who's also from Duke, Jared Jackson, Mo Bamba. So many talented bigs. It's easy for guys to all you gotta do is fall in love with one guy. Mm-hmm. Um he's a guy that I think, you know, could end up falling maybe. I see him maybe falling to Dallas there at five. Um, maybe even Chicago at seven, depending on what they kind of prioritize. He'd be a good guy to, to pair with Laurie Markinen. Um and you know, he'd be a good pick with Dallas. But he's another guy that I like. Um it, he would be to me, he'd be really interesting in Cleveland. Um, a guy with his length and athleticism with that yeah. size. Yeah. They haven't they haven't had that, I don't know, ever. Um so I I don't think he's gonna fall that far. Um so but and I mentioned earlier, I really like Colin Sexton. I love his his aggression, I love his intensity. Um, there are moments he just t- put that Alabama team on his back and said, yep. "Okay, I'm a, I'm going to win this game." Um, yep. And that's coming from a freshman. He's phys- I think he's physically ready to play in the NBA right now. He'll have to learn the nuance, um, improve his shooting, but defensively, I think he can stay in front of people. Um, whoever gets him, I hope he gets into a good situation. The Knicks would be interesting to me. Um, of course, I mentioned the Cavs would be interesting. Philadelphia at ten would be interesting to me. Um, they need a lot of guard help, and Marco Fultz, the 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 jury is still kind of out on him. Yep. Um, but yeah, he, I think he could fall anywhere in that that six to twelve, fifteen range. Um, Orlando might even be looking at him as, as a possible at six too. So um, we'll see. But those those are a couple guys that I like. Uh, who are you guys looking at? Well, you you guys kind of harped on uh, my guy. Uh, which was Sexton. Um, just, you know, the more I looked at him and everything, and uh, some of them were 6'2", 6'3", but he's long, which mm-hmm. which helps to make up for that. Um, and then, you know, you just think just speed and, and poise is something that's really, um, really stuck out to me as I'm looking at, I mean, you, got, you have to kind of look at Boston as a template of, um, of, of how to evaluate these young guys and uh, and put them in the best position to to succeed. And um, he's a guy who I could see um, being if he were the third string point guard uh, after Terry Rozier, I think he would step in and 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 jump right into <laughs> what what it is that they do in Boston. And so um, I, I like I like the poise that I, I believe he would have um, as a pro. And so I mean, you guys have kind of harped on you know some of the other things that I think about, but. Um, that's the guy that you know. If 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 Trey is gone, I hope that the that the Cavs and you know some of those other teams are, are looking his way because uh, I, I think he's a star in the making. I think he I think he would develop some Mike Conley esque um, mm. um, uh, a skill set and just you know his approach to the game. Um, like you said, if that shot can uh, can become just reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think you you kind of created a monster there. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm really intrigued by the two Villanova guards, uh, Dante DiVincenzo mm. and Jalen Brunson, um, because ah, I, I think I, I think that Brunson can be that type of guard that um, I think he could have like a, a Van Pleet from Toronto or. Um, you know, a couple other um, type of impacts. I, I can't think of any other comparisons right now, but um, I think Brunson, he's a little undersized. I mean, he's 6'2", 190. 
Um, but I am very intrigued by him. And Dante DiVincenzo, the way he stepped up in that um, in that tournament was just unreal. Um, now, of course, that translating into the NBA game, that's the jury will be out on that. But um, but yeah, those are two guys that I'm really interested to see. You know, the way that they where they go, what type of situation, and what type of you know um, systems they get um, drafted into. Because um, I think they both could really have a good impact, uh, depending on where they go. Um, and then, I, uh, of course, I, I just want to know the type of impact that Grayson Allen from Duke is going to have. Because, um, mm. of course, we had to deal with all of his college antics. But at the end of the day, he's he's a good scorer. He plays with a lot of heart, even though he does a lot of stupid and immature things. Um, but it'd be interesting to see what type of system you know, a coach would like to put him in. If he gets a really mm-hmm. good coach and a good system, I think he can make a immediate impact um, just coming off the bench and being that type of player that can give a spark. Um, so those are some guys outside of, you know, some of the top guys that we discussed already that I'm just going to see, I'll be interested to see where they land. Yeah, I think uh, Devin Chenzo tied for the, the, the best vertical leap um, in the combine today, a uh, 42-inch vertical leap. Um, wow. he's six six, or I'm sorry, he's six three without shoes. Um, came in at two hundred pounds. Um, so I, yeah, I, at first I didn't think he was gonna stay in the draft, but after those numbers and the tournament he had, he may be staying in there. I think he might have got pushed into the first round. Yep. So absolutely. But yeah, we'll see. There's a lot of there's a lot of the the big thing that's going to shake up a lot of these boards is trades. <clears throat> it's a lot of time for trades to happen. Um, there's some other things that we could talk about. Um, we'll talk about. We have plenty of time to talk about NBA awards because they don't give those out till June. It's the um, worst. That's the, that's the worst idea ever. It, it's, I hate it. I hate the award show that happens three months after the season's over. Everybody's <laughs> forgot. <laughs> It's in the voting stops in April, so this is just really dumb. It it doesn't make. I mean, it makes money sense. They want to put it on TV. They want to sell ads, whatever. But it's just it makes me care so much less. Well, the one thing I will say though is that there is no way um, that Dwayne Casey should win Coach of the Year, especially now that he's fired. Like, well, the the voting ended in April though. Yeah, but that's. Uh... Uh, you, they don't. The, the voting stopped before the playoffs started, so people don't even have the didn't even have the uh, the Cavs series to look at. Yeah, when voting for that, well, that would be great though for them for for uh, for Toronto to have to uh, wheel out that trophy. Like, <laughs> thanks a lot, Dwayne. Well, did, well, did y'all see that they they uh, after he was announced as a finalist, they I tweeted did. out a thank you or a congratulations, <laughs> Coach Casey. <laughs> Like, oh, that's oh, that's that just salt great. in the wound right there. Um, but yeah, obviously he was fired. We could spend some more time talking about that later. Coach Bud gets hired in Milwaukee. I'm excited about that. Um, but we could talk about head coaching vacancies at a later date. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the NFL. Um, a couple quick hits. Uh, Jason Witten retired. Um, mm-hmm. Easily top 10, if not top 5, tight end of all time. He'll be taking over. Uh, Monday Night Football duties. Matt Ryan got the richest deal um, for a NFL quarterback. I believe $30 million a year, which is crazy. That it crazy is. Crazy money. 
Um, and Des Bryant is still a free agent. So, which I'll let you guys kind of freestyle whichever one you want to talk about. You can talk about Des Bryant not being a, not being signed, Jason Witten retiring, or the new deal for Matt Ryan. Let's start with our NFL expert, Keith Turner Jr. Hey, hey, um, you, get first, you get first pick. All right, I'm gonna take Des um, because um, I am just, and I think I said this the last time, like I am an avid believer that Houston needs to make this happen. Um, there was there was a um, a few stories or rumors. Um, talking about how, you know, um, like a couple weeks ago, some of the people he started following on Twitter uh, was DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, a few of those guys. Um, So I'm at the point where, of course, because um, it didn't work for the Ravens, he turned, I believe he turned down the Ravens deal. Um, It was dumb. He should take that multi-year deal. I I mean, it's... uh, they have Joe Flacco at quarterback. Like, I am not a Joe Flacco guy. Like, yes, he won a Super Bowl, but that defense carried that team. Um, now, I will say that Joe Flacco is getting some weapons, um, you know, but I, I'm i not a huge not a huge Joe Flacco guy. I mean, honestly, it's – okay, should I say – okay, yeah. I'm, I'm putting Joe Flacco in the same type of category as Andy Dalton. Just they'll do enough to get you know some good wins and all that. Now, one thing Joe Flacco Wait has. I mean, Joe Flacco. Put some respect on Joe Flacco's name. He's won listen, some playoff games he, at least. He won a Super Bowl. Yes, he. Yeah, but again, Malcolm. Most of the time, those games were carried by that defense. You can't. Um, you can't so, put him. You can't put him in the same category as Andy Dalton. I know well, that you don't like Andy Dalton. Uh, I he well, has a lot of issues, but the, I don't think you can't put a Super Bowl winning uh, a, a guy who's actually won playoff games. You can't put him in that in that same category as Andy Dalton. I'm just saying, from the sense of we'll do enough to win you some good, you know, some games and things like that. But at the end of the day, isn't that extremely special quarterback? Um, mm. Now, of course, you. I, I agree. Of course, he's won playoff games in a Super Bowl, but again. Does he do it without that defense really making the the plays they do? Who knows? Um, but in the end, um, I'm I'm a re- I'm like holding out hope that Deshaun Watson gets to have Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins, and Des Bryant. I just think that will be incredible for the AFC, especially if Deshaun Watson can recover from you know his ACL um, injury and all. So. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I haven't heard much else after the, after he, you know, passed on the Ravens. So, so we'll well, see. The last but, thing I heard was that the Packers were close. The, the Packers were kind of zero, zeroing in on Dez too. And if Aaron Rodgers can get Dez Bryant, especially after he lost Jordy Nelson with, um, you know, Devontae Adams, um, that, that could be scary too, especially if Aaron Rodgers is healthy because Aaron Rodgers to me is still the second best quarterback in the league. So um, that could be very, very scary um, for all Bears fans, almost everyone in the NFC, honestly. Um, yeah. So. I think uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the Jason Witten route. Um, and now, mind you, I'm here in Cleveland. Uh, I've never been a, a huge Cowboys guy. You know, I've never been into America's team, all of that. Um, I, I actually used to see the Cowboys on TV and not really want to watch just because I, I didn't understand why everybody was so into them. 
Um, but that division just became so fascinating to me that you can't help but be kind of drawn to watching what they're doing against Washington, what they're doing against the Giants, what they're doing against Philly. Um, and so over time, you know, I, I came to watch and came to appreciate uh, just seeing this guy, this guy who was always uh, getting these catches, who um, who was kind of looking – I mean, there were, there were legitimate times, although he's bigger, you, you're looking, you're like, is that, a, is that a wide out? Is that just a really big wide out? Uh, because, you know, the way he's moving and the way that he's just in sync, um, the, the way he ran routes <laughs> was always um, so impressive. And then you get to hear about his reputation and things like that. But then when you just think about the scope of it, I mean, this, this is a guy who caught passes from Quincy Carter and then from John mm-hmm. Kidna from Vinny yeah. Testaverde, and then from uh, uh, Brandon Whedon, from Drew Bledsoe, and, 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 and other guys, Brad Johnson. Then he got, I mean, he caught 649 passes for 7,287 yards, 37 touchdowns from Tony Romo alone. I mean, this, this yeah. um, guy was, he was, uh, I don't know, definitely my favorite tight end to have watched, um, I have a high high level of uh, of respect for uh, uh, for Heath uh, um, in Pittsburgh, um, just because I I don't know, just seeing those guys. I mean, I, I don't want to say they're a dying breed, but I feel like the way that they played the tight end position, uh, the 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 um, the 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 Antonio Gates, <clears throat> although he was kind of of a newer crop coming out of Kent mm-hmm. State. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, still just just impressive guys, guys who are so reliable. Um, and mm-hmm. I'll be honest, you know, watching Dallas football is going to be odd for me moving forward without seeing Jason Witten take the field. No, I'm not gonna be crying and snotting. I'm not gonna be emotional. It's, it's you know, <laughs> I'll still I'll still enjoy the game. Uh, but he's one of those staples that you kind of get used to. Uh, that really embodies Dallas football. If there's, I, I regret that that guy didn't get to get a ring, um, because you know they they saw some they saw some pretty special times and uh, you know Romo just butt fumbling all their chances away was really rough. But uh, yeah, man, kudos to kudos to Jason Witten just um, uh, even through all of the concussion stuff and, and some of his remarks on that just. Um, the fact that he's remained an active voice in the NFL for so long, um, and you know, I kind of, I kind of feel about him the way I do about uh, Heinz Ward, uh, those those type of guys when they retire, where it's just like, yeah, you know, I'll continue on watching football, but you know, I I, I would give a standing O to that guy as he as he left the stage. Yeah, definitely got to give respect to Jason Witten, mm-hmm. fourth all time in career receptions, um, one of only two tight ends in the top fifteen. Crazy. Um, just the just the model consistency. So I guess that leaves me the Matt Ryan contract. I'm not going to talk too much about it. That's a lot of money for a quarterback who has accomplished little in the playoffs and in team success. Obviously, he's put up the numbers. Um, I'm actually excited to see that offense with Sanu, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but yeah. thirty million a year is a lot for Matt Ryan. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I don't want to spend too much time talking about it because I don't want to talk about Matt Ryan. So <laughs> we'll end. We're going to end with um, one more topic specifically for Ian Lamont. Let's talk about your Browns. They're going to be featured on HBO's Hard Knocks. Ian, how are you feeling about that? Ladies and gentlemen, I want to take you to a magical place. 
place that rivals only Disneyland and the splendor and the uh, the childlike awe that you will you will come to experience. That place is Berea, Ohio, where <laughs> Hard Knocks is is gonna get a full fledged dose of luckily a competent browse front office and what I believe will be a. Uh, a, a series that's going to build some traction for uh, for the Browns and Browns fans leading into the season. This is exactly what we need at this point in time to highlight the moves that uh, that the Browns have made, um, 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 the type of vibe around the team. Of course, Hard Knocks doesn't really mean much. I really enjoyed uh, uh, last year with the with Tampa Bay. Um, as they talk, you know, they showed Deshaun Jackson coming in and everything, and uh, we see what happened with Tampa Bay this year. So I know it doesn't mean much for the success of the team, but um, it is. It's, it's exciting for me, you know, as with anything, to see my city get um, um, some exposure and the fact that Hard Knocks wants to come and sees what it is that's going on. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Billy Manziel. He'll be there, I'm sure. Um <laughs> I'm I'm excited about uh, <laughs> Malcolm. We are excited to see Josh Gordon doing nothing yeah. but but push-ups and and drills. Uh, him and Antonio Callaway gonna be in the locker room getting <laughs> no no tinted windows on vehicles. <laughs> He's not riding with that cousin that he said he Still. got he got a contact. <laughs> Stay, stay away from those. Stay away from those shady individuals and those rental cars. I love it. It's gonna be Josh Gordon and his homie Stephen A. Smith. All the hard knocks. <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a really good look. Um, I'm, I'm, of course, they're gonna have a field day with Baker Mayfield, but uh, um, to get an inside look at how uh, how Tyrod handles things, how Hugh. Is going about things, and uh, and hopefully, you know, that'll do some things for his image because he is not very really highly thought of here in Cleveland. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, he, no one could have coached as well as he did with the Cleveland Browns last year. He said that, and I agree with him. I don't think anyone could have coached the Cleveland Browns like he did last year. They would have lost negative. They would have lost or won negative games if <laughs> somebody else had been the coach. <laughs> they may have not even taken the field in three games if you Jackson hadn't been the coach. Uh, <laughs> they did not play poorly every game. They just did not win every time that they played. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. They can't they can't get any worse than they did last year. So Hart Knox will improve their record of, of teams doing better or worse because the Browns have to do better. <laughs> The zero, they absolutely have to. Um, anyway, we're gonna we're gonna see what happens. I'm excited about seeing Baker Mayfield on uh, Hard Knocks too. It's always yeah. interesting to see who they decide to spotlight, but I'm pretty sure they're gonna have the camera in his face a lot. Yep. So, uh, this has been a late episode, but we of course are not gonna leave you without our parting words. Keith, give us your parting words for today. Hey, man, uh, prayers go out to all of those in, you know, at Santa Fe High School with all of the eight, I believe, uh, actually 10, I believe, actually, um, you know, students who were killed in another mass shooting. Um, yeah. It's it's completely sad, man, that we're just seeing so many. You know, I remember a time when um, these were, you know, just complete crazy out of this world. And now we're hearing about them at least a few times a year. 
Um, but yeah, prayers to, uh, prayers are going out to all the families, friends of those uh, who were killed. Um, and uh, we're just hoping and praying that justice will be served. That's what I got. Ian, your parting words. Yeah, that's that's actually where I was going. Um, definitely um, praying for those uh, Santa Fe High School. Um, and praying for our leadership in our country, you know, for our president to come out and uh, included in his response just the audacity to say, yeah, this is why we wanted to equip teachers with guns. Um, yeah, man, I'm just, just got to pray for the people making decisions, um, their motives, got to pray for people in dark shadows, just, just you know, waiting to leech off of um, fear and uh, tragedy in our country. Uh, uh, we need prayer. Uh, we we definitely need to uh, need need to be um, to be on the lookout and be active in our elections. You know, just just now more than ever, y'all. Just uh, just wake up. I'm not gonna say stay woke. You don't have to be a wokeist, <laughs> but man, you know, you don't have to be an activist to be active. Uh, make sure that you're that you're paying attention to what's going on and do your part. So prayers up. Man, you guys pick such weighty topics, and um, yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go a different direction. Um, once our, my, our our thoughts and prayers are with uh, the people in Houston, all those affected. Um, praying for that community, and I hope that this sparks change um, in our laws and how we um, deal with guns in this country. But I'm not optimistic that'll happen. But on a different note, I want to give a shout out to the WNBA. Um, get ready to start their season, I believe, if not tonight, this weekend. Um, they get next to no shine here in America. Um, yeah, most people probably don't even know the season is starting. Um, but in those dark days of the summer, when only baseball, the, the light of baseball is the only sport to keep us warm, I like to watch Candace Parker. Maya Moore, Diana Taurasi, Brittany Griner. I love to watch them play in the WNBA. So it's a good product. Um, great product. I'm really, I'm really excited about the season. Candace Parker got a ring last year. I want to see that happen again. Let's see if we can hey. get a, a repeat. Um, so shout out to the ladies of the WNBA. Um, really love what you guys are doing, and I hope that you guys have a great season. Hoping, hoping all the stars stay healthy and we can see some good competition come playoff time. Yo, I can't um, wait to see Kelsey Mitchell from Cincinnati. She's about to be a baller. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw her out there. Hey, Kelsey Mitchell. Hey. So, uh, shout out to Kelsey Mitchell. Um, so, yeah, that's it. That's this episode of 3 1 Podcast from Cincinnati, Ohio. Keith Turner Jr. Yes, sir. And from Cleveland, Ohio, international, Ian Lamont Morgan. I love you. <laughs> and you already know who it is it's your boy Malcolm Borgen from the capital city Columbus Ohio thank you guys for listening to the 3 in 1 podcast and we'll see you guys next time yeah yeah yeah